This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by GoGo's Bootcamp. Are you a real estate agent looking for the very best media training program on the planet? GoGo Bethke is considered the top Instagram realtor in the country, and her step-by-step training program will take your social media game to the next level. Keeping It Real listeners receive a special discount, so please visit gogopodcast.com. That's G-O-G-O podcast.com for your special discount. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And today is our monthly series called Closing Time with Chris Linsell from theclose.com. Now, this is a partnership between Keeping It Real and theclose.com. And let me tell you about the close. Uh, theclose.com is the kind of real estate website designed to give agents, teams, and brokerages actionable strategic insight from industry professionals. They cover real estate marketing, lead generation, technology, and team building strategies from the perspective of working agents and brokers who want to take their business to the next level. Please visit theclose.com. That's T-H-E-C-L-O-S-E, theclose.com, and subscribe to their newsletter so you can be notified every time they publish an article. And with us, as always, is Chris Linsell. Now, he is a staff writer and real estate coach for The Close. Now, Chris is The Close's resident expert on real estate topics ranging from marketing, lead gen, transactional best practices, and everything in between. He's a licensed agent in the state of Michigan, and Chris has been part of hundreds of real estate transactions from modest rural starter homes to massive waterside compounds. When he isn't writing, you'll find Chris fly fishing or performing on stage, uh, although uh, maybe not as, uh, maybe virtually at the moment for his local community theater um, production, although um, uh, we are always excited. But Chris did just have a big project. So what you see behind him is his newest uh, 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 DIY project uh, for shelving. Um, But Chris, welcome once again to Keeping It Real. We're excited to have you. Yeah, thanks, DJ. Yeah, I'm standing in front of my brand new video background. Uh, You know, I'm not uh, very handy with uh, hammers and nails, but I can figure out how to put, you know, some stuff on the wall. So so here we are. For our for our listeners, you'll have to just click on the video to, to see yeah. this. But uh, for our viewers, you'll see it. It really does look like a virtual background because it is so sort of perfectly done. Um, I said to Chris, I was like, oh, where'd you get the virtual background? He's like, oh, no, I made that. So, uh, yeah. so well done. Yeah, um, thanks. So today we're talking dual agency. Yeah. Um, let's talk about it. Go ahead. I know you have oh, a lot man. of thoughts about it. Uh, well, uh, you know. Where, where, to, where to begin? I, mean, I guess I'll, I'll put it to you this way. We'll kick things off by just saying, um, I mentioned a couple of things and not controversial things, like pretty normal run-of-the-mill things about dual agency on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And I literally, I was getting direct messages until like three in the morning <laughs> from people with very strong viewpoints on this topic. And I, you know, I've always in, in Michigan, dual agency is legal. And, and it's been something, um, even as a young agent, I didn't totally understand other than the fact that you could double dip a transaction and earn twice the money on it. And so it kind of seemed like a bingo moment to me. Like maybe I should just be all doing nothing but dual agency. Sure. But you I know, want twice the amount of money. Sure. Right. For yeah. basic, for really not twice the amount of work. Let's let's <laughs> right. just call a spade a spade here. Uh, so um, 
you know, dual agency is, is uh, a, a hot topic in real estate. Um, and I'm actually working on a long form piece about, uh, about dual agency for the close right now. I'm sure that's going to ruffle some feathers, which I'm looking forward to and uh, love to talk about it with you. Let's, let's dig into it. Let's, let's get into the nitty gritty on it. So, yeah. And, and we should also talk about, we have a nationwide audience. Um, mm-hmm. So where you, where you live may allow dual agency. It might not. I know here in Illinois, it is technically allowed as, is, as in Michigan where Chris is. Um, however, we keep hearing rumblings, although we've been hearing them for the, at least here in Illinois for at least 10 years of, of, of people saying, you know, it's going away. It'll eventually not be an option. Yeah. Um, as of right now, it still is. We have 700 brokers at our company. Uh, our official policy at our firm is uh, we sort of really, we, okay, we, you know, we, we allow it, but mm-hmm. we sort of get very nervous about it. Um, yeah. As a brokerage, we encourage our agents to explore other ways to, to mm-hmm. service the client or, or clients mm-hmm. um, because it, it just puts, uh, it, it makes us very nervous. Yeah. Um, and and, and honestly, yeah. honestly, like, like reasonably so. And, and yeah. the, the, the big, you know, I'll say reasonably so, maybe even appropriately so, is that in Alaska, Colorado, Florida, Kansas, Maryland, Oklahoma, Texas, and Vermont, dual agency is illegal. It's been banned. (laughs) And I don't mean like discouraged by the state (laughs) associations. Like there's a law, somebody voted on a law that said dual agency is not allowed. And I can tell you through research for this piece I'm doing for the close, I can tell you out of those eight states where it's illegal, five of those states, the laws came into place as a result of repeated litigation against real estate agents and brokerages because buyers or sellers felt as if those agents were not uh, fulfilling their contractual duties uh, to them as a result of representing both parties. So this isn't this isn't like a, a, a dandelion in the front yard kind of um, decision. These decisions are being made as a result of litigation and significant financial penalties for breach of contract by the uh, you know or alleged breach of contract. So um, you know this is this is definitely something that is is a serious issue and is worth talking about. And also, yeah, thanks. You're absolutely right. And the also, and I remember when I was in real estate school, they were talking about this years ago, was Mm -hmm. that, you know, even though if you do a dual agency transaction, you know, years down the road, one of the parties could still look back at the transaction. Now, I I imagine there's a certain amount of time they would have to do this, but there is, from my understanding, there are are years to be able to then say, you know, and now that I'm thinking about it, you know, my agent represented both sides and that, mm, I don't feel so good about that anymore. And I want to yeah. maybe explore uh, a legal action or, yeah. or uh, you know, at least um, creating an issue for that agent's licensing, maybe um, submitting mm-hmm. something to the state board about feeling that that wasn't maybe the most professional uh, solution for them. Yeah. Um, so um, obviously there's a lot of, and then there are other people who, uh, brokers who uh, agents who absolutely love doing dual agency, mm-hmm. they will defend it. Um, mm-hmm. They don't see it as a problem. So you're right. It's very, very hot button. Um, should we talk about maybe the arguments for and against or? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. That sounds great. So I'll just give you a really quick, like hit, a quick hit list of the, the classic reasons why 
people support dual agency. And uh, full disclosure here, I have been a dual agent before. I am not, uh, you know, calling for my high horse uh, uh, for something that I haven't, I haven't investigated personally. So here, here are some of the benefits that, that um, I, I know and that, uh, you know, through, through kind of the industry uh, that work out. So first of all, there's a possible cost saving for sellers when you are a dual agent. And, and here's what I mean by that. In, in my experience, it's pretty common. In fact, I've got it in my uh, listing, my boilerplate listing contracts. When it comes to commissions, I'll identify the commission. I'll say commission for this uh, sale will be 6% mm-hmm. unless the selling agent, me, brings the buyer for the property in which case the list of the commission for this sale total commission will be four and a half percent. So that one and a half percent savings occurs as a result of double siding. And I build it sure. right into my, my listing contract because it is frequently an objection that comes up uh, uh, when I'm having listing appointments. So I answer that objection early. So possible cost savings for sellers. That's the, that's the first sure. uh, potential upside. Uh, the next upside is potentially faster and more efficient communication. I don't know about you. I've dealt with uh, real estate agents who really literally could not use their phone. They were like, (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know how to use this thing. I don't know the text. I didn't even know I got text messages. That is not, I'm not making that up. That is a real thing. And, or, or, or even worse, like the voicemail's full and you need uh, to communicate something. Yeah. Voicemail full. I, I, I want to <laughs> throw, throw my own phone out the window when I hear somebody else's voicemail is full message. So yeah. um, when you have one agent dealing with the entire transaction, communication is a little bit easier. You have a hub for communication rather than, uh, you know, two cans at the end of a string. So that's, right. there's another one. It's on the same vein, easier organization of paperwork, of showings, of closings, you know, on all of these things where you have to get people together on, you essentially have four parties that you have to coordinate. You have to coordinate the buyer, the seller, the buyer's agent, and the seller's agent. And if not everybody can get together, then you get frustrating, you know, frustrating scenarios here. With one less agent in the mix, potentially things could be a little bit smoother, a little bit easier to deal with. Sure. So that's, that's another upside. And then the last upside, and let's just call a spade a spade here. There's a possible increase in commission for agents. I mean, sure. as a listing agent, I, of course, I want to make one and a half or two times what the commission would typically be uh, for me on this. So there's a financial benefit for me in this scenario. And so, you know, those, those, are, those are easy benefits uh, to, to dual agency. <laughs> And I'll even add an additional benefit um, that is related to the one of the ones you mentioned, which was cost savings to to the seller. Um, and it also uh, to a savvy buyer. Let's say there's an agent who isn't offering a cost savings to mm-hmm. their seller, um, mm-hmm. and says, you know, to the uh, to to the to the dual agent, um, hey, um, I'm I'm happy to have you as as my my agent, and I know you represent the seller. I would like a reduction. Uh, in in the overall fee, so that's something that any party could ask for as well, which yep. is also a possible savings. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So these and and you know, I'm sure that there are others. Uh, you know, smaller sure. ones, market specific ones. I'm not going to get into all of that right now, but there are some like theoretical top line benefits to dual agency. So let's just call that out and and make it clear. 
recognized you know that's 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 a part of the conversation here but there's definitely some drawbacks right yeah. there are definitely like and we'll just start with the big one here there's an inherent conflict of interest when you are representing both sides of a real estate transaction as a as a appointed fiduciary for your client mm-hmm. your primary you know mission in your in your job is to represent the best interests of your client and as a seller's agent the best interest of your client centers around getting the most money possible for their property and as the as the fiduciary for the buyer the best interest centers around getting the least amount of money you know uh, to agree to a contract so how how can that happen there's a conflict of interest here you can't you, you know, you can't be representing or, or you, you can't be uh, um, essentially uh, coaching two different teams, uh, you know, in the same game and, and saying, well, I want both teams to, to win. Right. You know, one team is going to win and one team is going to lose. And, and I'm, that's maybe a poor analogy because ultimately the best real estate transactions are where everybody feels like they're a winner. But you really can't. Uh, especially when it comes to price, you really have, it's really rare that you can, can say with confidence, I am representing the best interests of both sides of this transaction simultaneously. Oh. Yeah, especially, especially if there's negotiation, right? There's not always negotiation, of course, which uh, probably makes dual agency a bit more appealing or a little bit more easier to navigate ethically. Um, mm-hmm. But when there's negotiation, it's sort of like you're, as the agent, as the dual agent, you're sort of negotiating with yourself. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And actually, that, that kind of leads into the other two kind of major uh, drawbacks to dual agency, which is you have the, you have less ability to advise your sellers and your buyers. And what I mean by that is let, go back to that game uh, analogy. When you're, when you're just a buyer's agent or just a seller's agent, you are uh, like the coach for your team. But when you become a dual agent, you're more like the referee of the game at that point. And right. you, ha- you can do much less as far as advising your clients because Another tenet of successful real estate, uh, a successful real estate professional is you're holding confidential information confidential. And so you can't advise your clients using information that you've gained from the other party uh, without violating that confidentiality. And this is what makes uh, the last point, negotiations more difficult. If you know, for instance, if you know, uh, if you're a seller's agent, and you know that your client got a job transfer and they got to be out of town in 60 days, you know that that client is going to be motivated and, and would potentially accept a lower than asking price offer. But you can't tell that to your buyer <laughs> because this is confidential. You can't, and you can't do it with a wink and a nod either. That is the sort of thing, uh, specifically, I, I remember uh, reading, specifically in the state of Maryland and Oklahoma, that specific instance where a seller felt like their confidential information was communicated mm-hmm. non-verbally, and this held up in court. It, wow. was literal, it was literally, my agent used the wink and nod communication style <laughs> to communicate to the buyer's agent in order to grease the wheels to get a contract done. And that is the sort of thing that is not only is it a detriment to everybody involved, including the real estate professional, because you're going to get sued and you're going to potentially lose your license, but the buyers and the sellers 
are, are going to be losers as well. Because you better believe, even if you're the buyer and you're the recipient of that wink and a nod and all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I got some insider info. You're fooling yourself if you don't think that your agent is also giving of winks course. and nods to the other side here. Yeah, that's a really, really strong point. So the, the negotiation part of it is, is problematic at, uh, at uh, maybe the, the, that's maybe the lightest way to say it. It's, mm-hmm. it's problematic. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, keeping all, holding all of those things equal here, dual agency is possible. I think theoretically on paper, it's possible to do ethically and legally. It's just a really fine line to walk. And it's a really specific set of circumstances where that becomes an acceptable and, you know, really a, you know, un, unimpeachably moral uh, and ethical process. So, um, you know, I'm not going to spoil the, the super or anything. It's pretty clear where, uh, you know, kind of where I fall on this. Um, but, you know, you, you'll find out when, if, if you read the, the article, it's going to come out on the close in a couple of weeks here. Um, you're going to find out, like, I, I'm a supporter of legal, ethical real estate. And if that includes dual agency, great, if you can do it that way. But I am calling on real estate agents, and I'll just do it right here. You get the, the world premiere of this call. I'm calling on real <laughs> estate agents to set the bar so incredibly high for themselves and for their market that dual agency should become a rare thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I I was, while you were explaining this, I was trying to think of examples that maybe fall into the ethical dual Mm -hmm. agency category or Mm -hmm. unimpeachable, as you mentioned. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I thought, okay, well, if it was a scenario where two parties had already agreed upon uh, mm-hmm. a price um, before you sort of entered the transaction and maybe they're related, maybe they're friends, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, it's, Hey, I'm, I'm selling this to my buddy or, or my, you know, my son or my daughter. Um, mm-hmm. And there isn't going to be back and forth negotiation. Like I know uh, when people, uh, this is, this is a, a sad example. When people get divorced, oftentimes they'll, they'll use a mediator first yep. instead of both hiring attorneys, they come to an agreement, then they both go to an attorney and say, is this fair for both of us? Mm-hmm. The attorney says, yeah, yeah. And then can, they can knock it out without, you know, without um, the, the negotiation process of back and yep. forth. But I yep. suspect um, that would seem to be a, a, a potentially reasonable uh, mm-hmm. or, option. Um, but are there other scenarios that you can think of where it's, yeah. it's, yeah. yeah well, here. well, here, here's one off the top of my head. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but for a while, uh, Zillow offered, uh, a, an option on their website called make me move. And essentially homeowners would go to Zillow and they're like, I don't want to sell my house, but if somebody offered me like the right amount of money, I'd consider right. it. Zillow got a, a little in a little hot water uh, for for that particular feature and how it was being used by real estate professionals, which is another story for another day. But um, essentially, this is not an uncommon conversation that real estate agents have with their sphere of influence. In fact, if you're being thoughtful and proactive about maintaining a relationship with your sphere, you are having conversations on the regular with. Sure property owners that you know and that that know you and trust you uh and you're having conversations like hey you know the market is doing x y and z right now it means that your house is probably worth a b and c Mm -hmm. you know 
as, as your real estate agent and you can, you know, you call yourself their real estate agent, even when they're not, there's, that's a little, that's a little, uh, repeat customer retention tip for everybody there. Sure. Always call yourself your past clients, real estate agent, no matter what their, their, uh, place in the funnel is, even if they just bought their house 18 months ago and have no intention of moving for 20 years, call yourself their real estate agent that you will, they will start to think of you like their doctor, their lawyer, yep. their accountant, their real That's estate agent, just get into that zone. So you should be having conversations with the people in your sphere on the regular about the market, about their property, about their investment, call it their investment. People love hearing how much money their investment is making. Sure. Uh, and if you, if you're having that conversation, you are going to inevitably, there's going to be a response eventually that said, wow, you think I can get ABC for my house? If you could bring me a buyer that would offer me ABC for my house, I'd consider selling. This is an instance where you have a seller who has said, I don't want to put my house on the market, but if there was a buyer who was ever interested in this, I would cons at this price, I would consider it. And so all of a sudden, and you know, we're getting into pocket listings a little bit here, but uh, essentially what you're doing here is you've got a, a potential seller. And if you have a buyer you're working with, let's say that buyer's looking for the, that exact house and there's nothing on the market and you say, well, wait a minute, I got, you know, Mr. Jones's house. He said, if anyone would bring him the right amount of money, he would consider selling. This would be a chance where, you know what, we've got a buyer and a seller who wouldn't be able to get together without dual agency, I think that there is an, a, a clear case to be made that you are serving the interests of both parties by bringing them together and representing both sides. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, what happens if the seller at that point says, hey, now that we got somebody that wants to purchase at this, prop, this price I set, what if we, uh, let's try to get some more money out of it, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And no, then, then you, know, you run. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say then, then you run into the same negotiation potential issue. Mm -hmm. um, but you can still pass information. You just can't pass confidential information. Yeah. So you, you know, you're not really able to counsel the client based on the other party's uh, mm -hmm. answers. And I, I just think, um, boy, that's, um, that's a tricky thing for any human to be able to do. Um, because we are not, um, you know, objective, fully objective creatures. Mm -hmm. We have subjectivity. We're we have we're influenced, and I, I think it would be um, if any sort of negotiation process would be very difficult to mm -hmm. to walk that that razor thin line of 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 being ethical, um, even unintentionally unethical. Yeah. I don't think it's always an intentional thing. I don't think most agents probably who do dual agency are even thinking of it as in any way unethical, but mm -hmm. being able to actually walk that line is, is boy, that's challenging. Mm -hmm. Well, to, to, to put that, to, to really put a cherry on top in the state of Texas, there was a lawsuit. It was unsuccessful. Um, but, uh, I read, I read the, uh, the case file on it. There was a lawsuit, um, uh, that a seller, um, brought against their listing agent um, that uh, they were uh, they were unreasonably favoring the offers of buyers that were brought to um, the table by the listing agent simply by virtue of there was an open house at the seller's property 
Right. This was a really hot neighborhood. They got like six offers as a result of just this open house. And when the listing agent brought the offers to the seller, all of the offers that he hit that buyers he was representing, which is two, he put those on top. On top, yeah. And the seller interpreted that as you should favor these offers, or maybe they interpreted it, you know, kind of after the fact. Once they kind of, you know, were were thinking it through, that lawsuit was ultimately unsuccessful. There was no um, finding for the plaintiff there. But this is an example of how dual agency can be sticky and ultimately why real estate agents, you need to set the bar so high for yourself because the last thing you want is to get involved in an ethics committee hearing uh, with, your local, uh, with your local board. The last thing that you want is to be you know, uh, brought into civil court and, and sued for your commission plus damages as a result of unfair representation. That's just... That is an experience that nobody wants. And honestly, there's a really easy solution to this, which is if, you have, if you're a seller's agent and there's somebody who comes to the table as a legitimate buyer, refer that person. Yeah. Send that person to somebody else who can represent them and take a referral fee. For that sure. Way, that way, you still get a portion of the commission. You, know, you still get 25% of that buy side with literally none of the work at that point. You get none of the work and none of the liability. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the, that's such a great uh, great point. Yes, you give up some of the uh, the the chunk of the the buyer side commission or or seller mm-hmm. side commission, depending on what side. Um, but boy, uh, you can you'll sleep better at night. And and you know, I was just while you were telling this, I was thinking this. I was mentioning the the, the divorce example, and mm-hmm. I don't. I, it popped in my head, and I kind of didn't realize why it popped into my head. And I realized I have a friend who is actually going through a divorce process, and he was married for thirty plus years. Mm. So he and his wife, um, it's a very amicable divorce. And so, uh, we, I, 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 me, uh, myself and some friends were chatting with him about this and, and his wife is a lovely person and, and they are splitting, uh, and not fighting, uh, through the divorce. But when they, when, when he first said, you know, we're going to share an attorney and we're going to use a mediator, our, all of our first thought was, Hey, we really like your wife, but this is not in any way a uh, condemnation of her character. She's mm-hmm. awesome. We love you. You guys are both awesome, but just to protect yourself, yeah. you should probably have your own. And he said, Nope, we already agreed on everything. We've got everything good. We're, and so he had to sell us on something that he had already done. And, mm-hmm. and, and he's going to do that route and it's going likely going to be fine. But imagine that same scenario now uh, with respect to dual agency, somebody's talking, hey, I just, my agent helped represent the seller and the buyer. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of just, just people are going to have a negative response that like, hey, wait a minute. Uh, yeah. You know, people who are familiar with it might say, you know, you may want to think of, uh, you know, and, and you just don't want from a reputation perspective, whether it's ever an ethics, uh, you know, an, an ethics hearing about, about this particular transaction and, you know, whether you did the right thing or not is, is yes, obviously important, but even just for your reputation, it might be something yeah. to really think about because I know, like I said, with, with our friend, when he said he's going to use one attorney, our all, uh, so several of us in, in the group had been divorced before also with amicable divorces. We said, no, 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 you need to get your own attorney. And so again, it, it just becomes problematic. And again, yeah. that can continue on after the sale indefinitely really. And that is something that you'd have to then defend, um, whether it's legally or just for your reputation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that would be a difficult conversation to have. Yeah, 100%. And you know, it's important also to remember here that as, as, as 
virtuous as the intentions are of the real estate agent who is attempting dual agency, there are going to be some natural pitfalls that um, will put you in jeopardy of making a bad decision that are totally outside of your conscious control. And one example of this is, um, it's actually an example by a University of Chicago guy, uh, Steve uh, Steve Levitt and Stephen Dubner, uh, who are the Freakonomics uh, podcast guys and books. They talk about the um, real estate commission uh, paradox, which is- I I remember reading this in their book. Yeah, yeah. So like as a real estate agent, your commission, you know, if you sell a house for a hundred thousand uh, dollars and you get a, you know, your three percent seller's commission on that, you're making three thousand uh, dollars GCI on that. Right. If you sell the house for a hundred and ten thousand dollars, your commission only goes up by three hundred dollars. Not right. very much in in the grand scheme of things, but for the seller, a ten thousand dollar difference could mean the difference uh, between getting the their next house being their dream house or their next house being one they have to settle for. And so as a real estate agent, there is from a, from a motivations perspective, you have a relatively low financial motivation to do anything outside of satisfy the basic needs of your buyers and sellers. And so like just by default, when you double the commission opportunity, your subconscious motivation is changes. Even, yeah, yeah it, it, it goes even lower to negotiate strenuously for both parties because you're realizing like, I, as long as we get to a price that both yeah, parties- Yeah, I'm going to win as long as both we get to a price. That's exactly right. right. That's exactly right. Because ultimately what comes down to it for double agency is I'm going to win as long as you both don't just walk away. Right. And that should never be- the the mindset for a real estate professional your mindset should not be i win as long as you are just kind of satisfied a little your your mindset should be i win when you get the best deal possible out of this and man i just uh, there just are so so few instances where you as a single professional could get the best deal possible for both clients. It's just, it, there just doesn't make the, 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 those, those circumstances just are so few and far between save yourself the hassle, make a referral, get some money on the referral and, uh, and, and, and move on, you know, don't, yeah. don't, don't waste your time trying to figure out why dual agency works because, Honestly, academically, it does in practice, maybe doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. I remember reading that Freakonomics, um, uh, the, the argument to be made that what Chris was saying is the upside of the agent uh, is much smaller in, in, right. in, um, in, as far as their commission um, by, you know, if they're a dual agent, for example, um, you know, again, they just want to get to, it's not that they want to get to closing. It's that it would be a natural instinct for anyone who's trying to earn income to want to close a deal and earn income. And so if you're a dual agent, like Chris was saying, you, you, it's not that you don't want to do the best job for your clients, but you are naturally also inherently now motivated to get the deal closed. Um, and, and trying to satisfy both clients at the same time is, is challenging. 
and and was Chris is saying even even for non-dual agency scenarios where you represent a buyer or seller, there is this inherent disparity between your commission and the amount of money that the is being outlaid by by the seller or the buyer, and. And yes, it's not really all that proportionate. Um, and I wonder if even down the road, we might even start to see, and what we have seen, flat fee for sure has been around mm -hmm. for a long time. Well, I'm curious to see if there may even be um, more adoption of, of flat fee style deals where maybe it's not, uh, maybe it's still kind of a percentage, that's where the flat fee number comes from, mm -hmm. but maybe it's a, hey, uh, I think that would be an, an interesting thing to say to a seller is say, let me explain to you why I don't do a percentage and why I do a flat fee. And you could even use that argument then, the Levitt argument about, I don't want to be, I don't want to not be motivated mm -hmm. um, to get you the highest price. I'm going to do the best. Anyway, so I don't know if, if you've seen that. I don't know how common that is. I know there's low end flat fee business, um, uh -huh. but for higher end uh, brokers, I don't know how, it's got to be pretty uncommon at this point. Yes. I'm curious if we'll see that. Yeah, that's my experience too. And honestly, I would love to, uh, in, in a future episode, let's talk about alternative commissions model because I think that is a fascinating topic that is sure. scaring the pants off of the established real estate uh, professionals. <laughs> because sure. honestly, let's, let's just, I mean, I won't, I won't dig into it too deep right now, but I mean, let's just be honest here. The stalwarts of our industry have made a heck of a lot of money uh, with a system that is based on percentages and mm -hmm. their the their big bread and butter comes from closing relatively small transactions uh in terms of numbers of transactions that are really high value and they make sure. a lot of money on that and the idea that that could get flipped that you can you're you are going more for volume of transactions and a lower dollar value is scaring a lot of people but it's you know we are in you know I'm calling this the uber economy now where yeah. Uh, the disruption from inside industry is occurring. Uh, this is not an annual thing. It's a daily thing. There are new yeah. disruptions that are happening to established industries every single day. And we're fooling ourselves if we don't think that real estate and our, especially our commission structure, isn't ripe for that disruption. It's, it's going to happen eventually. It's going to be who's going to get there first, which is what yeah. we're going to you know, wait and see. What a great place to wrap up. What a, what a fun conversation. So uh, dual agency, um, you know, just uh, everyone should really think long and hard about uh, how comfortable they are with it. Talk to your managing broker, find out your company's policies, talk to your state, you pay mm -hmm. dues to get access to your state, talk to your local association, your state association, say, hey, what are the pitfalls? How can I do this ethically if I want to do this? Or, mm -hmm. or should I not do this? In certain states, it's not allowed at all. And, and, and many states may be following suit. So just be smart. This is your business. Mm -hmm. um, and whether or not you ever have any sort of complaint or ethics violation, your reputation is really important. And of course, there are ways to do this to maintain your reputation, but boy, it's tricky. So just use your best judgment um, and, uh, and, and you know, explore other alternatives. Like Chris said, referring it out. Yes, you, you won't be receiving all of both sides of the commission, but um, you're going to have a much, um, you're probably going to be able to sleep a little easier at night without as much worry uh, about your licensing and, and also unhappy clients. Um, but Chris, I want everyone, uh, I want to thank Chris, of course, want every one of our listeners and viewers to go visit theclose.com. I am the biggest fan of theclose.com, T-H-E-C-L-O-E. 
se.com. They also have a member. So it's, it's a free site with amazing articles. They also have a membership section as well, which is incredibly inexpensive. And you get access to lots of their different um, trainings and, and, and tools and, and other content that is not available to the public. So check it out. There's a free trial as well there. Uh, Theclose.com. On behalf of the audience, Chris, we want to say thank you. As always, you're amazing. Uh, we're so happy to, to have, have this uh, monthly chat with you. And on behalf of Chris and myself, we want to say thank you to our audience. Please, everyone, tell a friend. Think of one other agent that could benefit from her hearing from this, um, this conversation about dual agency and send them a link. Chris is a thought leader. He has researched this and he's going to have a, an article. Chris, do we need a publication date for this article yet? Uh, I don't have an exact date, but uh, I would say probably in the next couple of weeks, uh, you, awesome. can ex- you can expect something. And, you know, it's just in time for that, uh, you know, uh, end of the year, you know, new year, new you conversation. Are you going to be a dual agent in 2021? This is your time to decide. I'm, I'm calling things. Uh, it's funny. It, it's a good point. I'm going to, I, I was joking with my team this morning. I'm going to, next year, we're going to call it new, new year, same old you, but, um, <laughs> because, <laughs> but, uh, but, but actually, but yeah, it's something to really think about. So everyone, you know, thank you so much uh, for listening. Chris, thank you again. We'll see you next month. Can't wait. Can't wait. See you soon. Bye. <laughs>